I think that I can probably speak for a number of you this morning who, like me, have lost a lot of interest in professional sports. You know, it used to be I get pretty excited about various NFL games or uh, Major League Baseball or uh, NBA basketball or I mean, it used to be all of that sort of thing was pretty exciting and thrilling. But I got to tell you, I have just pretty much lost interest in professional sports. Uh, some of that goes to the fact that you have these highly paid athletes. I mean, they're making multiple millions of dollars a year to play a game. And then they want to turn around and act like they're oppressed in some way or another, which is just kind of shocking, you know, to be paid all that money and then take on the role of a victim. I don't like that. That doesn't sit well with me. And then, of course, a number of, uh, of these athletes have taken on what I think are pretty unpopular political views. And for some reason or another, uh, th- their p- political views apparently are of some value to people. And so they are reported on widely in the news. And with all that having been said, I just don't enjoy professional sports very much anymore. I, I just don't pay attention to that. Maybe you can think of some other activities that you once really liked, enjoyed, participated in, but not anymore. You sort of lost interest. You don't get anything from those things anymore. Maybe you can think of several activities that might fit in that category. My question to you this morning is, if you were completely honest, would worship be in that list of things that you just don't get much from anymore. Uh, maybe you once enjoyed it. Uh, maybe it was very meaningful to you at one time. But now you've just sort of lost that interest. And it's just not very appealing to you anymore. Again, if you were honest, would you have to admit that that is true? Well, with that, I, with that question out there... Uh, Uh, And and with the acknowledgement that some people surely are in that category, we want to talk this morning about worship. We want to talk about our worship, both what we give and what we get from our worship. Now, that'll be our study for a few minutes this morning. Thanks for being here today. We've got a beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee and a great privilege to be able to come together to worship our God. We're glad that you're here to be a part of it. We've got a number of visitors today. We're very grateful for our visitors. We're glad that you've come. We want you to come back every time you have a chance. And we invite your questions. If you have questions about what we're doing here or why we're doing it the way that we do, we hope you'll ask those questions uh, and, and we'll try to give you a Bible answer for those questions. Thanks for being here today. Well, what about worship? Uh, it might be the case that you're not getting much out of worship anymore. And we could ask, why would that be so? What would be some of the reasons why you are not getting much out of your worship? Well, it might be because those who lead us in worship are, are not doing a really good job. Maybe your lack of interest or enjoyment from worship is because the worship, those who lead us in worship, uh, just aren't doing a very good job. Uh, you know, the, the guys who come up front to, to lead us in prayer. You know, maybe they just are typically reciting 
uh, sort of old phrases and, and uh, using sort of trite expressions that we've used for all these times. You know, uh, some classic ones come to mind, you know, uh, give the preacher a, a ready recollection of the things that he has. I don't talk like that typically, you know, and, and so when, when we talk that way in worship, maybe that sort of turns people off. Uh, maybe when we don't speak distinctly and people can't even understand what we're saying when we, we're supposed to be leading in prayer. Uh, those things can be a discouragement. And maybe that's part of the reason why some people lose interest uh, in worship. Our song leaders, for instance, they need to do a good job. Uh, and maybe it is the case that our song leaders need to try some new songs. Maybe people have grown weary of some of the same old songs all the time. Maybe. Or it may be that the song leaders are placing too much emphasis on new songs that we don't know. And that turns out to be a distraction rather than a help to our worship. It might even distract our worship. And so song leaders, maybe, maybe you know, Part of the reason why people lose interest is because the song service isn't like exactly they want. Maybe so. And so maybe people lose interest in worship because the worship is not being conducted in the best possible ways. And I got to say, those of us who preach, uh, we have to accept the reality that a lot of the fault may lie at our feet. Maybe the preaching isn't so good. A recent poll suggested that 80% of people say that the preaching at a given church is the number one priority in either choosing that church or choosing to leave that church to go to a different one. And so preachers have to carry a big load of responsibility. Maybe the preacher's not very effective in the work that he does. And so, again, trying to be honest, why would people not get much out of worship there might be several factors like that. I think you could probably multiply the things we've just said there, but I want to turn that thing around. I want to flip that coin to the other side. Maybe it's you. Um, maybe you might be coming to worship and viewing it as simply a, a spectator sport. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people undoubtedly expect to come to worship in order to be entertained by the worship. And so they come, uh, and they sit, and they watch, they sort of watch, rather than joining in and seeing themselves as an active participant in what we do in worship, they come here expecting to be entertained. And, and, and if that's so, then these previous deficiencies that we mentioned are really amplified. You know, the person who's come here to be entertained, to watch this event, then, if the worship leaders, if the preacher are not Johnny on the spot, if it's not perfect, then they are completely unsatisfied because they came here to be entertained and they don't find it to be exactly as entertaining as they like. And, of course, it may be that the problem, again, is you and it's a question about your interest. Maybe you are not sufficiently interested in what we're doing here. Maybe the reason you're not getting out anything out of worship would be the same reason why I wouldn't get anything out of an opera, you know. Uh, I don't like opera. Uh, if, if I went to an opera, I'd have to say, you know, I, I really don't understand that. You know, they, they typically sing those operas in foreign languages that I don't know. 
You know, and so I don't understand them, and I'm not much interested in opera. I don't get anything out of an opera. Well, maybe that might be the description of people concerning worship. You're just really not interested in what's being done here. It's not important to you. Now, in describing all of these problems, I want to suggest to you that this is not new. This is not just something that has developed here in the 21st century. This is something that's been around for a long time. The prophet Malachi spoke of the children of Israel in his day. In Malachi chapter 1, a son, uh, God says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord? You also say how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully snuff at it. You know, this is a tiresome thing. Having to come around and worship God, it just wearies me. I'm, not, I'm just not interested. I don't like it. I don't get anything out of it, is the idea. And so again, the problem we're describing here is not a new problem, but it is a real problem. And if you find that you're not getting much out of worship, you need to ask what the reasons are. What are some of the reasons why that is so? What do we do? What can be done to solve this problem? Well... Somebody might suggest what we really need to do is change the worship. We need to change the worship. And, of course, this is a very popular approach in the religious world today. Change the worship to make it more appealing, really to make it more appealing to the carnal man. Uh, let me read you this news article. We've referenced this before. But this, this, this is the classic case, right? The news article is titled... Ohio pastor rides bulls inside his church to attract new believers. And so, uh, here it goes on to describe this. In the front of a packed church, Pastor Lawrence Bishop II climbed up on the back of a snorting, anxious bull named Bone Crusher. The animal was let loose and a bishop hung on tight as he was bucked around the ring he built inside his Ohio church. He lasted about three seconds before being thrown off and trampled. Battered and bruised, the 48-year-old preacher then picked himself up, climbed to safety, and began his sermon. When he asked new believers to come forward to be baptized, the response was huge. About 300 people stepped forward. Well, that's the classic case, right? Build a bull riding ring inside the church. Notice, to attract people. Uh, that, that's the idea. The whole idea, again, is the idea of worship should be entertaining and it should appeal to the carnal man. That's the modern approach. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that that's not the answer. We'd have to say emphatically no. The, answer, the real answer is not to change the worship. Actually, if you try to do it that way, you are, you are chasing a moving target. I want to tell you something about the bull riding. The bull riding will grow old pretty soon. The bull riding won't attract people over and over again. I've seen that. I've been there. I witnessed that. That's not interesting to me anymore. And so now what are we going to do? We're going to, well, we're going to take down the bull riding ring. And we're going to, have to do something else to attract crowds because, no, changing the worship, that's not the way to solve the problem of people lacking interest in worship. 
You know what the real answer is? The real answer is you've got to change the worshiper. You can't change the worship. You've got to change the worshiper. You've got to change the heart of the worshiper. A well-known text to us, John 4, verse 24, says, God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We often talk about there are two elements to acceptable worship in spirit and in truth. You know, this is so important. This idea of worshiping God in truth is so important. We've got to do the things that we do in accordance with what's been authorized in the Word of God. By the way, bull riding in worship is not authorized in the Word of God. I'm sure you knew that already. But what we have to do, we have to worship in truth. But you can do that. You can, you can hit all your marks. You can do everything just perfectly right in a technical sense. But you can do all of that without getting your heart involved. You can do that all without any real genuine sincerity. You can go through all the motions, but it's not enough. It also, our worship also has to be in the proper spirit of things. And this is the real issue. We've got to get worshipers to have their hearts right as they approach worship to God. Get the heart right. And a lot of this problem that we've been describing in our lesson so far will go away if we get people's heart right. You know, the fact of the matter is there are some who may actually need to repent that they've been approaching worship with a bad heart and not acceptably before God. It, the, the problem is so great. This is not a minor issue that we're describing here. This issue is so great that there are likely some who need to repent of the bad heart that they have possessed in regards to worshiping God. So, no, we don't solve the problem by changing the worship. We change the problem by changing the worshiper. So again, bottom line is, if you're not getting thing out of worship, it may be because you're not putting anything into it. And so let us ask the question, how much do you give? In regards to the question we're asking this morning, how much do you give? And when we say that, we're not talking about money, although that may be involved. Uh, you know, someone says, oh boy, the preacher always gets around to talking about giving. He wants our money. We're always talking about money. Give your money. That seems to be all that... No, that's not our point here. Our point here is not about giving per se, but I want to suggest to you that what we give does express some truth about the heart that we possess. And what we said is we got to get our hearts right with God. And even in regards to the money that we give, that's an expression that reveals what's in our hearts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, you know this text. Paul says, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man, as he, notice, purposes in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, again, it's about where your heart is. In all acts of worship. And, and the financial thing, the money thing, may in fact be an effective indicator of where your heart is. If your heart's not right, it's pretty hard to give as you have been prospered. Um, and it's hard to develop a, a right purpose in your heart if your heart is not right. 
Heard a story once about uh, a family that they had gone to church that morning and they were on the way home in the car. And the mom and dad sitting in the front seat of the car were, car were just griping and complaining about everything that happened in worship. Uh, couldn't hear the man when he led the prayer. Didn't like the songs the song leader led. The preacher's sermon was just terrible. Didn't get anything out of that. Little Johnny is sitting in the back seat and he pipes up and he says, I actually think it was a pretty good show seeing that we all got in for $2. Well, there you go. There's the problem, right? And so, again, it's not about the money per se, but it may be that that expresses something about your heart. Why did we come here anyway? What have we come to give in worship? What was our intention? What did we want to give when we came together? Well, first of all, let us suggest to you that we should be here for the primary purpose of offering praise, honoration, awe and respect, and gratitude and thanks to our God in heaven. You know, a lot of this problem that we've been describing is because people have this selfish outlook. I'm not, I'm not, it's not serving me. I'm not getting anything out of it. It's me, me, me. You know, this worship is about God, right? This wasn't, this was not to honor and glorify us. It was to honor and glorify God. We should remember that our purpose in coming together is to offer this praise and thanks to God. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. We need to remember we have come here to worship God. It's not about us. It's about Him. Furthermore, we should have come to do some teaching and admonishing to one another. Colossians 3.16, you know very well, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Did you ever, in any of your educational pursuits, did you ever have a, a teacher, or maybe those of you who had some college classes, did you ever have a professor who seemed like they really didn't want to be there. They seemed completely disinterested and distracted. Well, I'm sure if you did, and probably all of us have in varying degrees experienced that, those kind of teachers are not very effective in getting a lesson across to anybody else, right? And and so if we come, and one of the reasons why we came was to teach and admonish one another, but if I'm if it's clear that I'm just absolutely not interested in the whole procedure here, I'm not going to be very effective in teaching and admonishing you. Remember, that's one of our purposes. And one closely associated to that is we should have come to give encouragement to our brethren. In the text that Dan read for us earlier, Gordon said we should know this text by memory. I think it's true. We, we use it so often. The part that we use so often is starts right here, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The verse that precedes that sort of tells part of the design of worship. The design of worship is so that we can provoke one another to love and good works. Let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works. Uh, And so, uh, you know, a lot of this 
problem then needs to be I should stop focusing so much on myself and start focusing on others. How can I encourage you? What can I say and do when we come together that will be an encouragement to others? Sadly, too often when we come together, there's, it, it serves to be a discouraging thing. Maybe we're discouraged because some members are not even making an effort to be present in the assemblies. Maybe it's a discouragement because some, some members are, are griping and complaining about everything that happens. Maybe it's a discouragement because people have just such a depressed and gloomy outlook. You, you can't draw any encouragement from that for whatever reason. We need to think about, we need to consider one another. How that in our coming together, we're here to encourage each other, not dis- discourage each other. It's one of the reasons why we came. Are you giving that encouragement to your brethren? We should have come to proclaim the gospel. One of the things we have come to do and give is a proclamation of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, when Paul was speaking specifically about observing the Lord's Supper, he says, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And so actually we're proclaiming something. We're, we're showing it to the world that we believe uh, in God, that we believe Jesus is his only begotten son risen from the dead. We believe that salvation has been extended, has been made possible for us through our Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood. Are you here for that reason? Did you come here to proclaim this salvation message? It's part of the reason why. Uh, And so uh, the idea is, what do you give? How much do you give to this whole process of worshiping? Again, it might be true that you're in this category of people who say, I just don't feel like I'm getting much out of it. Well, maybe you're not getting much out of it because you haven't put much into it. And that's the thing that we need to talk about. We can get more out of worship by investing more into it individually, each one of us. Worship is something we give, but, but uh, something we want to get, we, we want to benefit from. We want to take from worship. We want to get something out of worship, but we have to give something in order to do that. Thanks for your attention to what we had to say. Hope it's helpful. Hope it encourages each one of us to, to work harder and not take for granted what we're doing right here this morning, our coming together in worship. Thanks for your good attention. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we're going to be asking all to make sure your life is right with God. Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you taken those simple steps that make you a child of God, forgiven of past sins, with the hope of heaven and eternity? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you've not done that, but you understand your need to do that, we hope you make that decision without delay. If you're a Christian already, but you've fallen back and haven't been faithful in your service, we hope you come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.